Hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host Jessica Dwyer and I am flying solo tonight but uh, not for long because at the end of this episode we will have our interview segment and I am just so excited for you to hear it. Um, I got the honor to talk to the homicide hunter himself, Lieutenant Joe Kenda, about the final episode of the amazing series Homicide Hunter, which is ending on Wednesday night um, on ID, ID, Investigation Discovery. Um, the final episode will be airing of Homicide Hunter, but don't despair because uh, Joe Kenda will be appearing in other shows um, on the network and he's not going away completely but um, it is a sad end of a journey that has been going for many seasons and just um, I believe the count was 142 episodes of the show were created which is just amazing and um, Joe Kenda is really you'll hear a little bit of fangirling happening I'm not gonna lie um, but Joe Kenda just he's an actual honest to God living breathing hero and uh, solved God, so many cases um, in his time in, in uh, Colorado Springs, and just, just wow, man, um, a, just a real hero. And uh, one thing I loved about Homicide Hunter is the fact that the show um, you get a lot of of these true crime series that celebrate, not really celebrate, but um, the focus is on the. The, ser- the serial killer or the bad guy, the monsters. Um, but with this show, <clears throat> and what was different about it, was that Homicide Hunter showed you the the, the actual, you know, the, the law officers that were um, stopping these criminals and going after them and showing that side of it um, and showed you the reality of it and the humanity of it. And... That's something that we talk about as well, and I think that's really important and just makes this show stand out so well um, because it shows you the the truth of what it takes to deal with this day in, day out, and um, solve these crimes. So... I am just excited for you guys to hear um, my talk with Joe Kenda. Um, but first, we got we got to talk entertainment. We got to talk Weekend Geek, and um, we're gonna start with. It's gonna be a little sporadic, but it's been a sporadic kind of a last week or so. So, um, uh, first off, before we go into that, I, I do need to point out and say, um, you know. We had a tragedy this weekend um, with the loss of Kobe Bryant and all of those people, the the nine souls on that helicopter that crashed in L.A. Uh, that is horrible, and um, there's just been tributes pouring in from every walk of life, every part of entertainment, um, sports, everything, just tragic loss. 41 years old, um, you know, everybody's focusing I mean, I like how equal this is, and they're talking about everyone but um, that was involved with this. And But one thing with Kobe Bryant um, that I wanted to point out was Kobe Bryant was starting a new journey in his life after having retired from basketball. He, he had won an Oscar because of an animated short that he had done in 2017, I believe it was about his love of the game and you know he was getting ready to start a whole new journey his daughter was starting to get a whole new journey the the other children on that flight 
um, it just so there's so much tragedy in that and I just wanted to mention it here and say how everyone that's part of a fangirl is um, just saddened by the whole loss of it and the, the just there's nothing good Jimmy Kimmel did a an amazing tribute episode um, about that um, happening and, and he went back and re-showed all of the clips of his interviews with Kobe Bryant and there's nothing good in this in terms of the loss and the tragedy of it and just the, the weirdly just randomness of it um, that it was on a helicopter that they were just avoiding LA traffic and this happened um, the the thing that that I want people to take away from it not just the fact that you know be thankful for the time you have of course but the the one thing that I want people to realize because in a time like we, we're living in right now with just the insanity of the world and the hate mongering and just just all of that ridiculous shit that we have going on in this country right now um, is you have a, a guy like Kobe Bryant who African-American legend of basketball but he also brought together just in his talent and in just the way he played the game and just his popularity he brought together all these different parts of the world and different races and, and it, I'm not trying to make him out to be like this God figure but it's a testament to him and to what he represented as a hero and as and a figure in not just sports but just that you could come and 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 work hard and become the thing that you want to be um and i love the fact that he brought together just you know if you looked um on sunday night across the street from where the grammys was being held people were going to the staples center um and they were going there to uh to celebrate him and it you know it it wasn't just all african american it wasn't just white people it wasn't just latinos it was all of them and i think that's a testament that we need to see right now that we're you know something can bring us all together and if you're going to take something away from this tragedy, take that. Take that we all love basketball. Take that we all saw this guy and was in awe of how freaking amazing he was playing. Um, take away from it the fact that he loved his family and loved his daughter and loved his children. And, um, you know, he was a human being, but he represented an ideal that... Um, inspired a lot of people and motivated them and made them happy and and uh, just gave them something to aspire to if you're going to take something out of the tragedy that this is take that and let it um, let that be what you see in a time that we really need that because 
we're so divided right now um, due to just evil, I guess is the best word for it, that, you know, you have this horrible tragedy. Um, take that connection and the, um, the ability it had to bring people together and what, and, and all of these things that brought these people together, um, and that, that, uh, connection. I mean, that's really what we have. So, sorry to go a little way serious, but that's what I think you need to take from this besides, you know, within the dark of it, find that piece of light that shows that we have that, that ability to connect. And uh, I think that's something, I think Kobe Bryant would appreciate that. I think he would like that. So, um, again, um, just a sad day for that, um, everybody. And it affected me more than I thought. I mean, I wasn't even, a, I'm not even a Lakers fan. I used to hate on Kobe Bryant because I, um, I was rooting for the Blazers all the time and I'm in Oregon. I have to kind of do that, but, um, it, it's, um, something that I think anybody that has had a dad, um, would feel that way. And it got me. So, yeah, keep keep those peop- keep the families in your hearts, and uh, we'll get through everything. I promise it's going to get better. It has to get better, even with all this horrible crap that keeps happening in our world. It's going to get better. It has to. So just keep trying to stay positive. Um, so let's move on to some entertainment geek news. Um, one thing that I have to talk about is the New Mutants, which is the first horror-centric Marvel film since Blade um, in the actual Marvel Entertainment um, series of films. Blade was pre-that. Um, the New Mutants is, you know, it follows um, Wolfsbane, Magic, um, Cannonball, Mirage, and Sunspot. And it's it looks like it almost takes place in a haunted house um, setting. Uh, we still don't know a lot about it, but what we can tell is it's actually in like a, a hospital setting where they're studying the mutants. And it's um, it looks really great, really creepy, but it's also been held up for like f- what six years it's been it's been a long time. We were supposed to get this movie at least a couple at least two years ago, and it got put on the shelf. Maisie Williams aged more than you know she was doing Game of Thrones when this was originally started shooting. Um, but then you know then it got held up. So now we're finally getting New Mutants in on April third. Um, Disney is, took it off the shelf um, when they bought bought Fox and they're going to utilize this as part of the Marvel films and um, as such apparently they've done some reshoots um, and that's the rumor at least so they'd almost have to if they want to kind of like shoehorn this into the current Marvel verse MCU so what I find interesting and sad here 
is, you know, you it's everybody knows that I write for for Horror Hound magazine. And I've been trying to cover this film for Horror Hound for our next issue. And it's been interesting to say the least trying to cover this because they're not the studio's not making it easy. Um I'm not sure why. What I was told was they were not going to do any interviews at all until like South by Southwest, which is literally a week to or less than two weeks, if not just a week before the film comes out. Um, all they've done so far, and mind you, the film comes out in April, April 3rd. So it's literally two months away at this point. And they um, they just now released a new poster, but that is so far that's it I mean they've I think they released a new they released a new trailer which um, gave us a little bit more than the original trailer that was released a couple years ago but I'm worried about this because they're not really pushing this film and my concern here is that they're just gonna dump it and I don't want that because this looks great it looks like a great movie I, I love the characters that are, are being focused on, especially Wolfsbane. I love Maisie Williams. Um, now, the interesting thing is I've read some stuff about this. And this is disappointing, but at the same time leaves me open to hoping that this is maybe even better. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so according to Wikipedia, you know, and everything's true on there, but we'll see. Um, according to them, there was originally a post-credit sequence that focused on Mr. Sinister, which would have been great. Uh, and this, the thing that makes me sick is John Hamm was playing Mr. Sinister and his head is perfect for that character. His hair is perfect for that character. He would have been great. So according to Wikipedia, though, that got cut. Um, during reshoots that happened at some point who knows and um, he got replaced by Antonio Banderas who's playing an undisclosed villain I'm trying in my head to figure out who Antonio Banderas could possibly be playing in in the MCU for this if they're going to still keep that on there um, who knows we'll see um, I uh, I don't know. My my concern here, though, as I said, is they're not really doing a lot with New Mutants. They've got two months before it hits, and they're not really pushing anything. You would think, you know, this is a... I get that it's from the Fox side of things, but this is a... You know, this is like big... Mar this is a Marvel film. This is a Marvel release. It's a Marvel horror movie. Um, the first one kind of officially um, that they've been, they've done since, you know, Marvel Entertainment, Marvel Films, Marvel Studios has happened. And I'm surprised they're really not pushing this as much. And it's not like it's not got a great cast. Like I said, um, the the guy who's directing this um is now going on to direct this the new version of the stand 
um, he had done The Fault in Our Stars, which was a, you know, your your typical dying teenager movie. But at the same time, it was a well-received, well-acted, well-directed film. And um, you've got guys, you, you've got Maisie Williams, you got Anna Taylor-Joy, who's like the darling of, of, of geek cinema right now. Um, Charlie Heaton, Alice Braga. I mean, it's, it's not a small cast either. So I'm not sure why it's going the way it's going, why they're deciding to just kind of dump this film. Um, so hopefully it gets a little bit more love here soon. I'm, you know, I, I'm wondering if they're going to have any kind of Super Bowl ad for it. You would think they would pay the money for that. They're Disney. They have the cash. But we'll see, I guess, with New Mutants. I'm really disappointed with the way they're handling it. Um, it deserves better. And it's not getting it. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of worried that it's just going to get dumped. Um, speaking of Disney again, because they own everything. And, yeah, so... Uh, what's happened with, what's happening with Obi-Wan, with Kenobi, the series? Well, it came out that, um, now it's on indefinite hold. Um, and according to Ewan McGregor, he's saying that it's, they, they're just going to start shooting in 2021, not 2020. So that means it's going to be delayed he's but you know the words indefinite kind of make people nervous um but uh according to ewan mcgregor what he's saying is they've just pushed it to 2021 uh we'll still have baby yoda and uh his yodada to watch i think that uh the mandalorian will be back later this year if not the beginning of next year um, so that's going to be coming. Um, we still have, you know, rebel or not rebels, but, um, clone wars is coming very soon, like r real soon. The new season, the final season of clone or clone wars is coming. Um, but yeah, uh, Obi-Wan got, Obi-Wan series has been pushed at least to the beginning of to shoot next year. That means you probably won't be seeing Obi-Wan's, um, show, until at least the end of 2021 if not the beginning of 2022 can you believe we're talking about dates like that 2022 2020 God, we're old freaking old but um at least that means you and mcgregor can start looking at the age of obi-wan is supposed to be <laughs> this now finally jesus um so yeah we've got uh now back to marvel again um, bummed out about this. A lot of people are. Um, so we have, um, we have Howard the Duck, Tigra and Dazzler were, um, supposed to happen. Um, and a lot of people really, really excited about Howard the Duck. Um, but unfortunately that is not going to happen now, according to Hulu, um, Modoc's happening, which is great. Pat Nowswalt is going to be the voice of voice of Modoc, um, and there's going to be a Hellstrom Hellstrom movie happen, or not movie, but live action series that's going to happen. Modoc is going to be um, 
he's actually going to be stop motion and it's going to be done by the gang that do um as far as i know the gang that does um robot chicken but the dazzler series isn't happening which i know is going to bum a lot of people out but not as many as we're bummed out to hear howard the duck is not going forward so no howard the duck um which really sucks but that means maybe later on we might get disney plus to pick up howard the duck as a live action series why not come on um i have friends uh noal who uh has been on the show a couple of times um noal was uh has an actual burlesque routine as howard the duck someday you might see her do it on stage again don't know um but yeah so another bit of news that is actually not um not attached to disney or marvel is ghostbusters and a couple of one a couple of things it was fully announced that everybody that is living from the original ghostbusters team is coming back that means bill murray dan Aykroyd, ernie hudson are all coming back to the film uh they filmed their scenes in one week that's how quick they turned that around one whole week um so and also showing up with them are going to be Annie Potts and Sigourney Weaver. So everybody filmed all of their stuff in um, one week. Who isn't coming back is Rick Moranis, which shouldn't surprise anybody because Rick Moranis hasn't really done anything involving Hollywood in a number of years. Um, but um, no, no, uh, no Rick Moranis which is sad but you get Janine and you get Dana and that's fantastic and you get the whole Ghostbusters crew so Ray Peter and Winston are there and that's fantastic so I'm very excited about that um and uh so you know Ghostbusters um naysayers poo on you is all I have to say um and let's see here. A couple of things that we want to talk about really quickly, too, is uh, that was just announced as of today. Bloomhouse is um, doing a Thane remake, possibly. But it's a remake um, based on the actual novel, not the John Carpenter film, not the John Carpenter movie. So don't start freaking out yet. This is based on the original book who goes there that's what they're saying so just be aware that that's what's happening with that um we'll keep you appraised on that um bloomhouse is really you know delivering on a lot of horror films right now um i'm really so stoked to see invisible man that's coming out um very very soon by lee wynell and looks fantastic um no pun intended since he's invisible but this looks great um it, that looks great. This, um, I'm curious to see if it's going to be, it would be really cool. I would really actually dig it if they made it based in the time frame that then the book came out, which was like the, the late 30s, early 40s, I think. Um, the book, let's see. Yeah, I think it was like the the late 30s. And then the actual film, The Thing, thing From Another World, came out, I want to say late 40s, early 50s. Um 
with James Arness as the Thane. Uh, Matt Dillon was the, the alien in that, for those of us old enough to remember Gunsmoke. Oh, God, I'm old. But yes, um, we'll see what happens with that, because um, Universal is part of, you know, they, they're producing partners with Bloomhouse now, and that's um, that's how this can happen. So we'll see. Keep keep appraised. Don't freak out yet. They're not going to be remaking John Carpenter's film. This is going to be based... By the way, John Carpenter's film was a remake of the original, which was, as I said, like in the 1950s. So, meh, meh, there you go. Um, one other, a couple things too I wanted to talk about really quickly. Picard episode one happened. That came out. And it's interesting, the takes I've been hearing on it. I have not yet watched it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but from what I've seen already and heard, it's pretty much what we suspected it was going to be. Um, and yeah, I don't... I may break down and go ahead and get like the... Um, watch the you know go and get start uh cbs all access so i can watch this to see if it's as train wrecky as i've heard it is um and that's a bummer um but uh i was suspicious of it and and then and you know the the what was being described with starfleet somehow becoming xenophobic and uh against having any kind of outsiders coming to earth or being a part of it which is the entire the entire reason Starfleet exists, which is finding other worlds, coming together, exploring them. It's very strange to me that they've went this route trying to be, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, let's beat you into the head with our mallet of, of metaphor to the point that you're bleeding because we want to get this message across. Do you see, what was brilliant about Star Trek, especially original Star Trek, and even Next Generation when it got after the first season, but especially original Trek, because original Trek came out in a time where you had to be somewhat subtle with your storytelling because the censors wouldn't want you to be speaking about certain things that could be called considered inflammatory and what Roddenberry and company and Harlan Ellison God love him um, and all those writers did and DC Fontana and all of them were they were able to utilize the genre much like Rod Serling patron saint god of all Rod Serling use that genre to talk about what was going on in the world without beating you over the head with it except for of course you know it, it, it wasn't really beating you over the head but when you watched it it was kind of like in your face and that you know episodes where can't you see he's white on the right side oh you see he's black on the white side you know episodes like that which were just you know racism is so stupid anyway in that regard that it the the idiocy of it was called out with that but when you just when you comp the, the problem what's going on with Picard from what I've seen 
as I said, I haven't watched the first episode yet, but I have seen a lot of scenes from it, and I have heard many, many people, and all of them are saying the same thing, which is, you know, that they're using this to try and make a point about Trumpism and all of this stuff, and, and you can do that, but you don't have to be I'm going to beat you over the head of mal- with a mallet. And the other part of it too is that they are. It sounds like what their their plot line is for this season, and what every everything I've seen is taking from like literally every other sci-fi series and film. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, it goes along with what's happening with Doctor Who right now. I'm not going to give a lot of talk to Doctor Who. Doctor Who has been has gotten to that point where I think I'm just going to stop looking at anything to do with Doctor Who. Because their agenda, and it is an agenda, it is, is has become so obvious and ridiculous and over the top that it doesn't care about the history of the show. Just, you know, it, it doesn't care. It doesn't care um it's it's the big reveal of there being a a a black female doctor now we're just going to shove her in there because it seems like they have to tick off all these boxes that they need to um fill this agenda and they also are I think looking to make headlines desperately trying to get viewers and click, you know, get, look what we're doing, you know, oh my gosh, history making. But instead they're alienating literally most of the fan base with this because most of the Doctor Who fans love Doctor Who for what it was and, and the, and the history of the show and that character. And at this point, they have just, I don't know what this is anymore. And a lot of fans feel that way. And you can have the show talk about things and, you know, reflect on things. I, I, I think I mentioned this a while ago where you had an episode about the Daleks that touched upon that and this was in the Sylvester McCoy era, which wasn't that you know that was the the Seventh Doctor, and he it talked about racism, it talked about um, you know Nazism, all this stuff in this span of episodes, and it took a couple of I think it was like a two or three parter, and it it talked about them and made you think about it and didn't make your nose bleed from the amount of metaphor mallet and that it was hitting you with it didn't hurt the sh- you know it didn't taint and change and destroy the history of a 60 year old show um to to try and cram in as much stuff as you could that makes no sense you know, it, it just is bad writing and it, there's no reason. And I'm, I'm, I'm continually saying this. 
these aren't the first female Time Lords. And in fact, it's a disservice to female Time Lords what you're doing, how they're doing this and making this these changes. When you had characters back when it wasn't in the norm for us, a woman to be smarter than the guy you know back in the in in the tom baker era romana came along she was smarter than the doctor she ends up becoming president of the entire time lord planet of gallifrey but they're acting like that didn't happen that this is all new for reasons and um before i i move along i have one more thing to say i was discussing this with my my husband and we're both really massive fans of the movie Aliens. We love the original two Terminator films. They didn't go past the first two. Um, and uh, we were talking, and, and the thing that made, you know, we, you know, there's this big thing where people are saying that, you know, and I've said this because it, it kind of went, it, it there was a, a time where there wasn't a lot, but it's, there have been recently a lot of, you know, s there's been strong female characters in the genre. And I've talked about that before, where sci-fi and horror, you get a lot of strong female characters. And this, you know, acting like this is something that's newish, is kind of a you know when you're you're cramming in characters for no other reason than to tick off the boxes and that's what a lot of things are doing and that's where you get bad writing and bad storytelling because you're putting the agenda that you're trying to do first before the story and that's where things fall apart. And um, if you don't have an agenda, if you don't, if you're not out to push this, what you want to say so hard, like, I, I, you know, you can have a, um, you can have a meaning behind what you're creating. You can have a, 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 a coarse meaning to your story. But when you go into writing it and you're trying so hard to, you're, you're just focused on, I got to get, I got to tell this message of, you know, women are good too. And, um, women are smart. Um, I, I need to get that in there. I have to get that in there. It won't work if I don't get that in there. And, um, yeah, if that's all you're going in for, your story is going to be weak. Your characters are going to be weak. And people are going to forget about it because they're, you have to grasp them with some character and make them likable. And what's interesting to me, and we were, I'm going back to Aliens now, and I'm going back to Terminator. The, James Cameron made both of those films. Alien, he didn't make, but that can be included in this but for for the sake of this let's talk James Cameron James Cameron's kind of a dick from everything I've ever heard um he's 
he can be a real dick. And um, I've heard people tell stories about how much of a dick he can be. And a lot of people would be like, this this guy, there's no way he'd know how to write women right. He, he ah, he's just, meh, you know, James Cameron, meh, you know. So, thank you. That was, thank you. That was my James Cameron. And, yeah. So, but here's the thing that's funny about James Cameron. James Cameron is with aliens. He made Ripley, who was already established as a badass from Alien, but in Aliens, he made Ripley a fantastic character. And he didn't it didn't matter that she was a woman, really, other than the fact that she, you know, there was the whole mother protective angle that kind of came into play there at the end. And the fact that, you know, she hadn't been able to raise her daughter because she had been in cryosleep. But other than that, Ripley was a woman out of time who kind of was lost, but it didn't take away from her strength. And within this film, she ends up, because of her, nothing special about her other than the fact that she lived through um, an attack by a xenomorph. She was the only one that knew anything about that creature. So because of that, she gets put on this ship with all these Marines who are way more bad, you know, badass than she is in terms of I can kill shit. And um, they're a group that (laughs) never knew her. And they're kind of like, why is she here? What's so special about you, honey? And in in that group too, you have Vasquez, who is a badass chick. But that doesn't make, you know, there's nothing special about the fact that she's a woman other than she's a woman in this, she's the only woman in this crew, but she's an equal. It's just a stab, it's just, that's it. You know, there's one line about um, uh, where uh, she's asked, has anybody ever mistaken you for a man? And she just turns around lightning quick and says, no, what about you? And it was a dude asking her. So, you know, there was nothing big made of the fact that these were two females and uh the the pilot was a girl too but it never mattered that wasn't the part of the agenda you know what cameron did was he created the story and inserted these two characters who were just badass in it along with all these other badasses there was equality equal badassery there was no big, you know, they weren't sexualized. They're all in the same kind of outfits. There's, there's, there's nothing big made of the fact that these are women. It just is. And that's equality. That's great. You know, and I just, you know, and what's even funnier is we were talking about the fact that, um, you know, I, I think I think it's Gorman. Please don't kill me if I'm wrong. Um, but, you know, he f- he screws up the mission, but he redeems himself at the end when he 
goes back for Vasquez and they both die together. It wasn't a romantic gesture at all. It was just equals. Soldier going back for a soldier. And, you know, and, and not wanting her to die alone. You know, he's like, nope, gonna die with you. This is my, my, you know, that was the thing. It was a great scene. And, I mean, that's, that's what's cool about this. There was a little bit of that, like, I'm, you know, Hicks and Ripley are gonna, um, you know, kind of, but yeah, it's Michael Bean. You know, young Michael Bean was freaking, you know, come on, she's a woman. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be about that, you know, but the point is that that's an equality thing. That's equality. That's what we should be aspiring to. Terminator. You have Sarah Connor who survives the, the whole thing, but you know, and, and people are going to be like, well, she had to have, um, you know, Michael Bean had to save her. And yeah, cause she was a 20 something year old, basically a kid had no idea of any of this and but in the next movie she like comes back like a beast and you know it didn't matter you know that it didn't really matter that she was a woman in that either either way it she just was the badass she was protecting her her son and it's you know that's why the last one just pissed me off so bad because it for some need to it kind of negated everything that Sarah Connor went through for this need to kill off the fact that I don't know I'm not even going to go into dark fate I'm not going there anyway my point is if you want to see equality real equality in a movie and uh, a a sci-fi property you're not going to see it in doctor who that make it what they've done is just pissed all over 60 years of of a show almost 60 years of a show to cram in as much of this need to check boxes off and uh as they can if you want to see real equality in sci-fi Go watch Aliens. That's all I'm saying. Where it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the characters. It doesn't mess with the characters. It doesn't mess with the mythos and the mythology of what these creatures are, what the the world that it's in. It doesn't screw with Ripley. They do that later a little bit. But within this movie... You have strong women and strong men together, equal. It doesn't take away from me either either one. And it there's no need to mess with it. It's established. And I don't get why you have to change something that was completely perfectly fine had a history already established of talking about things and showing them in a way that was brilliant and 
didn't make your nose bleed from being hit over the head with this need to have an agenda and cram some sort of the, the metaphor down your throat so hard you yak on it. And that is the problem right now. You don't need to do it. You don't need to change things that we're already doing that. And um, yeah, that's where, that's my rant. So with that, it's time to talk Homicide Hunter with the Homicide Hunter himself, uh, Joe Kenda. And I am very excited about this. I hope you enjoy this interview. Um, and uh, be sure to tune in for the last episode of Homicide Hunter. Uh, and that will be airing Wednesday night. And it will be the, the final episode. And it sounds great because according to to Joe, it's, um, it's going to have his um, family in the episode with him. It's going to be a really... Um, a really great ending to the final to the season to the series um, and it will be airing um, Wednesday night at um, at 6 p.m. I believe I'm very excited to uh, share this interview with you get a little insight into Joe Kenda so thank you guys for listening tune in um, for our next episode of Fangirl Radio um, hopefully we'll have another great interview for you. And if you, you know, share this episode, get the word out, let people know we've got some really great episodes in our um, archives uh, with other interviews. So be sure to check those out. Um, we're available on iTunes as well as SoundCloud. And uh, again, thank you so much for listening. And here comes Joe Kenda. Hello, Jessica. Yes, you are connected to me. <laughs> Thank you, sir. It's wonderful to talk to you, sir. How are you? Oh, nice to talk to you. I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It, it's really an honor to speak to you, sir. And um, I know I probably don't have you for very long, but I, I want to pick your brain. And it's a fascinating brain. And you've let us um, have a peek <laughs> in it with this show. And I'm very sad it's ending, but I understand why. Um, oh, so- yeah, it's uh, something I elected to end. So it's not, they didn't end it, I did. <laughs> right, right. And no, I, get, I get why. I get why, definitely. And um, and I respect that decision, even though it's going to be sad not to see you there all, every week. Um, but I, I, my first question for you, sir, was, were you surprised at all by the rise of interest in true crime over the last, it, it seems like it's really blown up in the last decade. Um and why do you think it is that regular citizens, and especially women, because, you know, myself included in that, why do you think we're so fascinated by this and, and want to see this? Well, I think it's always been true. It's in our DNA, I think, particularly for, for all the millennia, that uh, people enjoy a mystery. Uh, who buys mystery novels? Women do. Who used to buy the Police Gazette 50 years ago? My mother-in-law did. <laughs> there is a, a abiding interest in mysterious undertakings of humans. The other side of that equation, I think there's a lot of factors, but another side of it is that I think maybe people have grown tired of fiction. How many times can you tell a story involving a torrid love affair and multi-million dollar motives? Uh, people are more interested in what people actually do. And true crime is precisely that. It's what people actually do. And, do you and think, I think people will find that interesting. Do you think part of that is the truth is stranger than fiction scenario there that... It always is. 
It always is. Yeah. Well, I've never been surprised. I've never been surprised at what people will do. <laughs> I've often been disappointed, but I've never been surprised. That's a great. That's a great quote, actually. So, kind of piggybacking off of that, did the popularity of Homicide Hunter surprise you when it? it because it, it was such a phenom. It's such a phenomenon. I mean, uh, I, I know fr- I have friends. It's and- absolutely. It's absolutely made me speechless. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, you, know, you want to do what you want my autograph? What do you want my autograph for? So I owe you money. You know, it's a, it's a remarkable thing. Uh, when I first started, I told my wife, I said, somebody's going to watch this. It's just murder. She said, no, because I did it for a living. And she said, no, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. And she was, as usual, correct. There has been a remarkable interest in this. It's been, it shows on, uh, you know, the Discovery has sold this all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's appeared in I don't know how many countries and I don't know how many different languages. Wow. It's a remarkable thing. It's like all over the planet. It's not just here. I've been recognized in Europe when I travel to Europe. People know who I am. I mean, it's, it's insane. Well, and... One thing that I, I personally and my my mother watches this show like a religion, and she actually owns a bobblehead of you, which I oh yeah. <laughs> tell her she needs a psychiatrist. That's just an opinion, <laughs> but you know. So. Well, this is true, but I, I was wanting to know, uh, ask you for, uh, specifically from that, like that, just the 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 amount of popularity. Um, did what did you really want to use the platform? to convey to viewers with this show because it, it's a insight into the bad side of humanity but also into the, the good side of humanity as well. And I just wanted to know... Well, it's true. I think, well, initially, I will answer that this way. I, initially, I had a selfish motive. I was looking for the therapy of it. I have said more to that camera than I ever said to my wife. Oh, wow. I never discussed what I did with her and I wanted to get it out of me Mm-hmm. And I thought talking about it would be healthy, and it has been. I feel better than I ever felt before having done so. But ultimately, it also arrived at the thought that I could convey something of value to people, particularly young women who uh, find themselves in an abusive male relationship. Abusive male relationships only end in one way. They end in violence and murder. And I was able to do some of that. And I got a letter from two different women. Oh. about a year apart. And, and they both said to me, words to the effect, that I was watching your show and you were talking about the male abuse of personality and how it moves from verbal to physical to threats to violence to murder. And I realized that he was sitting next to me. Oh, wow. And I got out of that relationship and you saved my life. That's amazing. So two lives, not bad for a that- TV show, you know? That's pretty amazing. Um, so, kind of, kind of on that track as well. The even I think you've inspired. Like I, I know that I'm. I've I've bought books now that I never thought I would buy about forensics and 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 police um, investigation <laughs> techniques and things like that. You know, have you have you noticed? You know, have you've gotten fan letters where you've had people that have actually entered the police force and these investigative sciences because of your show. Absolutely. Many, many, many such people have done so, and uh, I'm proud to report that I have a lot of active-duty policemen who are fans of the program because they know it's realistic. It's not gun battles and exploding cars and girls in tight skirts. 
<laughs> it's criminal investigation one foot in front of the other, which is how it really is. Exactly. And they appreciate that. And uh, they show people, I think, an honest view of what policemen do all over this country every day. They work hard. They suffer the slings and arrows of the press and the slings and arrows of everyone else. And they make little or nothing doing it. But it's a calling for them as it was for me. Awesome. And people need to understand that, that. There are people in the world who will stand up for what's right. Exactly. As opposed to cower and hide from it. You know? Exactly. Well, and the other thing I I really liked about the show was uh, you uh, you show you did a great job conveying how your work in the police force affected your home life too, and I like that you included that. Can you talk about sharing that reality with viewers? Like, you know, it it really does. You know, it, it takes over your whole life. Well, it does. Uh, how would you like to come home from work and have your wife all smiles and the kids all smiles and the dog sitting there with his tail wagging? How was your day today? Well, let me tell you what I did today. No, on second thought, let me not tell you what I did today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let me not tell you what I saw today. Let me not tell you where I've been. And I need to change clothes. And I think I need to throw these clothes away. And I'm going to go take a shower, and I'll be back in a few months. Right. And everyone just stares at me. It is the reality. It does become consuming. You're on call 24 hours a day. Uh, the phone rings in the middle of the night. Uh, I'm gone sometimes for two or three days. Kathy, this is back in the day before they had cell phones. We had we had phones, brick phones. Remember those? The original, the first money. Oh, yeah. I remember those. But they I know, I do. made a phone. <laughs> A motor phone away like 10 pounds and carried in a bag, you know, and you could talk to somebody on the moon with it, but it was not exactly convenient. And uh, as a result, she couldn't find me, didn't know what I was up to or whatever. If we had an officer killed in the line of duty, I would call her just oh. to, for her to hear my voice because the press never releases the name. Right. So an officer's been shot to death, you know, I was working at a car, it's just not me, it's not me. You know. Wow, that's horrible. And, oh, and, yeah, it's, uh, it is uh, consuming uh, because of the nature of it. Oh, man. So from the interviews that I've, I've read of yours, and, and, and it sounds like retirement can be really difficult for someone who solves these sort of puzzles and lives in this world. There's like a mixture of the adrenaline rush of it, the, the fact that your, your brain is always working, trying to figure out these scenarios, figure out clues, and, and, and find these people. Um, you, you've written books, you've done the show, you've, you've done speaking engagements. Did writing help you in dealing with that restlessness and revisiting these cases that kind of help you as well keep that, 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 you know, that retirement blues kind of thing down? I think so. I think it did. I think doing all of it put together did that. I think that it's been healthy for me <clears throat> to expose this to myself as well as to the public. And to write down some of the emotions. I think if you watch the program, which is the final episode, Wednesday night, the 29th at 9 Eastern, it's a very well done, fitting farewell. And my family's on the show. My daughter, my son, my wife. Uh, we talk about it. It's well done. And it kind of is a fitting farewell to this. It's episode 142. Who would have ever thought that? So here we are. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's what it is, and it 
I think so. I think it was very healthy for me to talk about this and rid myself of some of the emotions. Now, the reality is, dear, you cannot unsee what you've seen. Mm -hmm. I can't forget this, even though I'd love to. Right. But it's better now than it used to be, so let's put it that way. That's fantastic. Well, as I said... Homicide Hunter is sort of like a family affair for, for as odd as that sounds to some people, it's a family <laughs> affair for my family. I, my mother loves you. My my husband and I both love you. My husband is a massive fan. He thinks that you are a true hero. And I asked him, I said, okay, I'm going to be talking to Lieutenant Kenda. What is one question that you would want to ask him? And he gave me a really good one. Um, and it, I what don't know it? what... It's going to. It's looking back on your entire career, all the things you've done. What's the one moment that is your proudest? The one that you can look at and point to and say, "That's it. That's the reason I did all of this and went through all of this." Every time I resolved a case, every time, and I turned a shadow in the night into a first, middle, and last name and a date of birth. I was proud to be a policeman. That's a fantastic answer. Great. Well, thank you so much, sir, for everything you've done and all the sacrifices you've given and your family, what they've put up with and, and sacrificed for this. You've you've done some amazing work, and you are really a true hero to myself and a lot of people. So thank you for sharing the well, pain. Well, I'm not a hero, dear. They, I'm, just did a, I'm just a policeman that did my job, and they paid me every two weeks. There's no reason <laughs> to thank me. It was a government check. It always cleared. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I I will still think of you as a hero, even though you're you were a paid hero. But you know, it you what you did and what you've shown, and and you saved so many lives and and um, um, got justice for the ones that that weren't able to be saved. So thank you for that, and thank you for sharing it and giving us the gift of the show. Oh, it's very kind of you. Thank you very much. <laughs>